beautiful people. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Happy March 28th, or at least that's the day we're going to celebrate the readings from. Bobby the Awesome here, and um, I'm feeling pretty grateful and a little sad this morning. This will be our last daily episode. We will have accomplished a year together every day after today. And some days, two, twice a day, right? Back in the peak of COVID when we were together twice a day. And I can't express how much good this this show and you being here has meant to me and my recovery. I never had this much clean time before and not with gambling not with drinking and I don't think that it's a coincidence that because I show up every day and I have these conversations with you and I do these readings and I reflect on my feelings and my past actions and try to inspire you to do the best you can and try to help you find your best life it's no coincidence that all those pieces of the recipe are are a huge part of what is helping my my recovery i just i just know it's not a coincidence so all right so let's do today's reading from the inspirational calendar those who dare to fail miserably can achieve greatly well, that's another one that, for me, the first the first way my brain works, and it's just my my honest thoughts is it has to do with with work and life is is my first go to because I've been in such a daring mode this last year. I mean, even being here with you in the podcast, right? If I didn't dare to suck at this, <laughs> I wouldn't be achieving my recovery so greatly, right? But I got past that, and actually, it's another piece of of why I've grown is is by spending the time here and being afraid to get in this microphone. Oh my goodness, it was three weeks, three weeks of having the equipment and being ready to go before I actually sat here and talked to you for the first time. And now I just feel like you're sitting across from me. And that's, you know, we've come a long way. And if you asked me when this all started, if it would ever feel like this, I'd be like, nope. That's just one example of, of being brave enough to fail miserably. I may, well, no, I'm not going to fail miserably at my dream. I care too much about my dream. I care too much about the recovery playgrounds. I care too much about the message getting spread. And we're going to achieve greatly together as I continue on in that mission. All right, what's the reading? Our last daily reading from this book. And here we go. Horus, I don't know who Horus is, but he says, to flee vice is the beginning of virtue. Some people, places, and things are risky for our recovery. It's tempting, especially at the beginning, to go back and visit, to test our new powers, to brag a little to 
the friends we had then, showing them and ourselves how far we've come or how much we've changed. But we need to remember that those people, places, and things haven't changed. They are just as dangerous today as they were then. This is a lesson we need to learn again and again. Even after years of sobriety or freedom from gambling, we're tempted at times to test our new resolve, thinking this time we'll be able to handle temptation. But that's a gamble, like racing a train to the railroad crossing. And for us, the results can, just, can be just as deadly. We may not have quite enough recovery to resist the allure of old ways and old friends. We may not be strong enough to resist temptation. We may feel vulnerable and worthless and give up the fight to recover. But life doesn't have to be like that today. We can walk past temptation and find the strength, one day at a time, to start a new and joyous life. Today, help me remember the dangers of giving in to temptation. Help me keep myself safe. It's the people, places, and things part. And I think there's an ego element to this reading. So let's let's break it down. I This part about... It's tempting especially to go back and visit, to test our new powers. I'll be honest. This is part of the situations I put myself in during the fall when I went on my road trip and there was one friend I hadn't seen for, gosh, four, four years-ish. And even throughout my, my journey, even though we were still like communicating on the phone, um, they're not much of a phone person at all. So if we talked for more than five minutes, you know, that was a, that was a long phone call. But I can remember with this, this person in particular, it wasn't about, it was someone I used to party with. And I knew that our friendship was more than just superficial. And I, my gut was that they would be proud of me. And I wanted to show them that I wasn't the same person when they knew me and I was making bad, bad, bad choices and was not living my best life and was really out of control because they knew me then. They knew me at the peak of my gambling. They knew me at the at the peak of my drinking. They also knew me when I wasn't gambling, but I was drinking. So it was really scary to go test that, as the, as the book says. And we're talking, I had over three and a half years in at this point. And it was up until we walked into the restaurant for me that I was on the fence about whether or not I was going to drink again. Did I want to drink because that was the old pattern, the old what we do? And I shouldn't. I shouldn't have really tested that, right? That's not what I would tell you to do. I would not say, hey, go test the waters probably at any point in your recovery because it's dangerous. So I'm not going to advocate for that. That's why I'm telling you it was up until the minute we went to the the first restaurant that I was, I texted my counselor, hey, I'm going to have some fermented juice. And then when I got there, I didn't have any fermented juice. But it was really important to me. There were some feelings associated with this. It was, it was deep, right? Like we had been friends seven, eight, nine years. I don't even know how long anymore. And it had to do with 
sharing my growth more than more than more than anything I did want to show them how far I've come and kind of make them proud right that was that was some of the thoughts we can't be motivated by this it if I had fermented juice it would have gone against everything that I've been saying and believing in the last year so it's dangerous no matter what the stage is. I'm not going to tell you never do it, but just be really mindful and be really comfortable. I had all of you to be accountable to, right? I have everybody that I've said, hey, I've been sober X, Y, Z. I had the motivation to get to my year. I, the gambling piece wasn't as much of an issue then as far as, you know, I had enough time away. It was it was the Alcohol was definitely the hot spot of the danger in this particular case for me. My director at the center always says, he talks about going back to see his family in Baltimore. And he has, I think, decades. It's definitely double-digit years, but I feel like it's more decades. And he always tells the story about how he protects himself, even after all that time, to go back to Baltimore. Because... He knows it's dangerous, but he still has family there. So he doesn't go out on the streets and try to tell the drug addicts, hey, look how far I've come. No, he has his sponsor on speed dial and he checks in with who he has to. And he strategically plans his trip to only be as long as he can survive 24, 48 hours. And he reminds us of this even after years and years and years. So don't play with fire, I think, is the first part of this. Don't play with fire. Even after years of, and it says sobriety, but sobriety, no gambling, we're tempted at times to test our new resolve, thinking this time we'll be able to handle temptation. I think I told you this week how, maybe I didn't, I don't even know what day of the week it is kind of anymore. It it was Friday night, and I've been very just all over the place, like not satisfied. And it's not satisfied with my sleep, not satisfied with progress, not satisfied with any meal. So I was trying to find the perfect meal on Friday. And my impatience got me out of the line, which, oh, by the way, I should have stayed in because yesterday when I went back, still thinking that this these clam strips would satisfy me, um, the line was even longer yesterday. Besides the point, but I go in this, this bar that I've been in so many times and because I was feeling unsatisfied, which I wouldn't have noticed that that might be a trigger or was a trigger on that particular day, but it was. And, And sitting there, I had to like make a really conscious choice. If I sit here and have dinner, what are the chances of me have it ordering a drink. And and on this particular day with this unsatisfied feeling, the chances were very high because I would have convinced myself or let the addiction convince myself through the voices in my head that I talk about all the time that it was okay. Well, okay, you made it a year. I still have these conversations because I don't know how, I don't, I, I still have not made the claim I'm going to, even attempt to be sober forever. Do I think I could drink normally again? P- 
part of me does. But then the part of me that's done all this studying and research and immersion into recovery tells a story that that's not true. And I'm not, I'm not special, right? Pretty much anybody who, who tries to go back to whatever the thing is as a normal user when they're an addict, it doesn't work out very good. I don't think I've told you the, the pickle story in a while. So to, to remind us of what that point means is if, if you're a problem gambler, compulsive gambler, and I apologize for the language, I get caught up sometimes in, in what all the clinical terms are from talking to people in that world versus talking to you on the front lines and dealing with this. If, if you're a problem gambler and you've crossed this line, and I can remember being a teenager and people telling me about this line, like you can drink, 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 and then all the di- all of a sudden one day you cross this line and you're an alcoholic, and it's the same with with gambling. So this premise has been around a really long time. I've just never heard it shared the pickle way until uh, going to going to the center. So this invisible line we refer to as the point. If we were all cucumbers when we were gambling normally, drinking normally, we're cucumbers. But once we cross that line. We turn into pickles. And just like a cucumber getting submerged in vinegar to become a pickle, once it's a pickle, it can't go back to being a cucumber. And that's the way we need to go forward in life with this history that we now have. We can't we can't delude ourselves and we can't let the addiction tell us. Oh, it's okay. You could be a cucumber now. When I was chatting with my my recovery clean date buddy last Sunday when we were celebrating four years, I said to him, I'm like, damn, you know, and, and this is why we don't talk in the future as as a general recovery rule, but I'm like, you know, I really would, I would love to play bingo again. I would love to play poker again. I have... I actually have good memories of both of those things. I also have some bad memories of both of those things. And again, it could be the tricks being played in my mind. But that feeling of like, ah, I would I would love to do that again. The the there's a social piece, but there's also an ego piece and I don't even really think about things in the term of money. Like I don't want to play poker to win money. I want to play poker to not be on the sidelines at a family <clears throat> affair or there's been fundraisers, whatever. It, it, but it's really all justification, right? Can I live at a family function without playing poker? Yes, because now I've learned how to do that. But I could still feel a little bit of missing it. And maybe that missing it is the exact reason why I shouldn't do it because maybe I miss it too much. Maybe once I get back into it, maybe it would be the dangerous part. I don't know. But I know that there's enough people that have said to me, you know, once we're pickles, we're pickles. And enough people that have tested the waters. I have an aunt that I was, it was 2005. It was 2005. We were out in Colorado for a wedding. And she had had a, I don't know, 14, 13 or 14 years sober at the time. 
Now, mind you, when she was drinking, she she drank so much that even back then, because this is now going back, if she was 15 sober, let's say it was 30, 40 years ago. I don't know the exact time, because and time is so confusing anymore. But before alcoholism was in the fancy books as a you know an addiction, a disorder, whatever, she eventually lost her job due to her drinking and was on social security as, as disabled. And at this particular wedding, after 13, 14 years of sobriety, we're on this trip and she started drinking wine coolers. And even back then I had been programmed enough from enough exposure to either Alateen as a kid or, or just recovery in general. I'm like, wait a minute. One drink, she's past that line. She's already a pickle. So what is what do these wine coolers mean? And it wasn't a place of judgment. It was a place of confusion. Like, why are you even bothering? And I'll tell you, what happened in the next few years was devastating. Those wine coolers turned into a jail sentence and multiple DUIs and a fire in her house. And it... it it proved the pickle philosophy to me very blatantly, like very blatantly. I did just get a report in the last week that she's doing better the last couple months, and that makes me really happy. But that was, again, another decade of, of losing her. And in the process, she lost the love of her life. There's been times she hasn't had access. Well, she's had access. I mean, her daughter's always been there, but they don't have the relationship they used to. There was two of us that used to live with them, you know, when she was sober. And she was the she was the go-to. She was the rock. She was, she didn't, because she didn't work during the day and because she was sober, she would go to her meetings and she would help with all the family stuff, like taking care of grandma and, and just doing the thing. She was a rock. And once she started with those couple of wine coolers, it was very dangerous. And it led to just massive, massive destruction. And I, I share that with you because I shouldn't have, I feel like I shouldn't have even told you in the beginning about me testing my boundaries, but I, I was fortunate enough to survive that. Unfortunately, my aunt wasn't, right? So I want to give you both sides of the spectrum. I would, I would never, <laughs> I would never tell you to go test this. And if you're thinking about it, I would encourage you to really think about what is it really about? So for me, in my case, it was about catching up with this friend and showing them that I was better, I guess. That's not really a good enough reason. It, it's just not. I'm not exactly sure why my aunt did it. But nonetheless, if I was to do it again, and, and I actually did for the six weeks leading up to it, that was all I, I was talking about on my walks with Karen and talking about with my counselor. Do I drink when I when I go on this trip? Because even once I got past him, I had to go to Kansas City and get past the bar and all my friends in the bar. And um it was it was a pain point for me. And the fact that I gave it so much attention maybe indicates that I am a drinking pickle. I, I'm not sure. It's funny to me because now I don't give it as much attention unless it's a random day like it was on Friday because generally I don't care. I just do have some associations, but 
it's because I'm showing up every day. It's because I'm thinking about this every day. It's because I'm reminding myself of the dangers. It's because the people that I'm around that don't have the quality of life because they keep going back out, that's what reminds me and keeps me strong. And that's part of why we can't just think we're cured, you know, like, oh, I got out of rehab, cured. We were talking about that in group yesterday. We have someone who's going away for 45 days. And the message that everybody at the center was telling him was like, that's just where it starts. It's when you get out and you're in the free world, right? It's real easy to not gamble when you're locked up and you have no access to gamble. It's a lot different when you're of your own free will and back in the circumstances that you were gambling in in the first place. Those are two very different things. So even though I'm not going to be with you guys every day, I, I ask you to, whether it's journal or listen to the old shows or check out some of the other shows. I'm not, I'm not kicking you away, but uh, the After Gambling podcast, there's All In podcast. There's a, there's a few out there, and you're going to get a different spin, and they're going to teach you things that I don't know, or they're going to sh- have guests on there that are going to share stories that are different than my experience that might relate more to yours. Whatever it is, do something. Do something every day for your own recovery to keep to keep reminding you. Otherwise, that overconfidence will come in. And they use the word allure, right? Can you be allured back to gambling? Are you are you strong enough to resist? Those are the things it's asking in here. And I would advocate for not not testing it, if at all possible. If you're gonna if you're gonna test it, I'm still saying don't. <laughs> I'm still not recommending it. But really sit with it, whether it's meditate on it or write about it. What are the reasons? So for my director who goes back to Baltimore. If he was to really be honest with himself and go, okay, if he decided to not just do the family, but to go see some of his old friends on the streets, I would say, hey, right, why do you want to go see your friends on the street? How do they add value to the to your life? How do they, How does this keep you safe? How are you taking care of yourself by seeing these people? Those are the kind of hard questions we got to ask yourself with those choices. Is your life better without those people in it? Those are those would have to be his answers to give, but by his actions and the fact that he protects himself from that situation indicates to me that he's done some soul searching on that topic. And the fact that he has this extensive amount of time, which, oh, by the way, he never tells us his clean date. He's very um, private about it. He's he's a very one day at a time kind of guy. And, and that's cool because that serves another purpose. But he may have made those decisions. He may have analyzed that. And again, no circle, no coincidence between his clean time and the fact that he's not association, associating with temptation. I think I need a few sips more of coffee. So that's, that's that, guys. Let's not put ourselves in dangerous situations. That, let's, let's keep ourselves busy enough with the good stuff taking care of ourselves, getting our rest, doing activities we've never done before. That's where the self-care piece comes in, right? 
So if you're busy doing all of those things, it'll be a lot harder to be in situations of temptation. As as we wrap up March, and I don't even know if March Madness is over or not. I, that's how disconnected I am from it. But as a general rule, I wasn't hearing about it every day unless I was in a recovery environment for the most part. A couple of my training environments. But that's another example. I don't know. It doesn't weigh on my mind. It's not important to me because I don't give my energy that way because my head's spinning in 10,000 other directions. And it's it's the same. Every day when I walk by the casino, my head isn't thinking about the casino and going in and the bet and all of that. My head is thinking about all the things that Karen and I are talking about and enjoying the fresh air and and complaining about the weather if it's one of the chilly days, you know, whatever the things are that we do. Sometimes maybe still catching Pokemon, if I'm being honest. So, all right. So here's the plan. I am going to integrate that reco- the relationship in recovery topics. I don't know the frequency yet. Once I get that situated and get some recorded, I'll let you know. It may be just daily pop-ins. I haven't really decided or sporadic. We'll go back to interviewing. We're lining up. We have so many people that are lined up. I want to talk about self-care. And one guy wants to talk about ice baths. I thought it was hard enough listening to Jesse with the ice showers. But we may learn what ice baths are about. So we're working on getting all of that scheduled so that we can have a nice educational summer and focus on on enjoying life and taking care of our bodies, minds, and spirits. So that's what's coming up. It's going to be really weird for me to get up tomorrow and not come talk to you. I'll be honest. It'll be weird. But I'm going to shift. I'm going to shift my stuff. And I feel like, I feel like if we have every day's worth of readings that even if I went back, for example, and listened, I know I'm going to feel different listening than I did when I said it because we keep growing and changing, right? So perspective changes, which is not a bad thing. So I encourage you to do the same. Take a look, see what you got to hear. I know I have to go back and listen because these some of these guests said stuff that is just mind-blowing to me and that I should be working on a little bit more. So that's part of what my challenge is going to be now that I'm, I'm leaving our daily daily time together. So I will... Talk to you guys next Friday. I hope you have a fabulous week. And thanks again for all your love and support. And you're